Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Um, We are in the middle of a series called Our Father, which is based off of uh, the Lord's Prayer, which we find in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. And I don't know about you, but I went to a private Christian school when I grew up. I played sports. And then every time before a basketball game, all the guys would get in the middle. We put our hands in the middle. And the first thing we do is we would say the Lord's Prayer. That was like the thing you did. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we just went on that before. Somehow, I guess we thought that was going to make us play better basketball. um, But that's what we did. So I've kind of heard this prayer and known this prayer a long time. But what we've been doing in this series has been, that's kind of been the starting point for our series. And then we've kind of gone different directions with different prayers that Jesus has prayed in the New Testament, in the Gospels. And so week one, if you haven't been here, I want to catch you up a little bit. I think it's important for you to kind of know where we've been and what we've been talking about. So week one, Pastor Bobby talked about the Lord's Prayer. He talked about just the idea of prayer in general. So his three points were simply this, continually pray, be, be always praying, always have a spirit of prayer. And, and that doesn't mean that you have to always kneel, put your hands like this, do the cute little prayer like our kids do sometimes and pray like that but to always be mindful of Christ, to always be mindful of a conversation with Jesus that you can have because we're in relationship with him. So continually pray. Then he talked about how we should pray about anything. And the truth is you can pray about anything, anything you want that comes to your heart. Uh, One of the most biggest examples for that in my life is my mom. My mom tells me about all the things she prays for. And sometimes I just kind of chuckle because like, mom, you, you prayed about that? You prayed about finding the light bulb, or you prayed about finding, you know, the right parking spot, or you prayed, which Pastor Bob talked about that. But just all these little random prayers, like, I spent time in prayer about that. I'm going, wow, good job, Mom, because that's not my normal thought process. I just get frustrated and don't, when I can't find something, I'm not thinking to pray about it. But we should pray about anything. And then last, I talked about praying for God's peace or praying for peace. And to me, this one's going to be a big deal today, praying for peace uh, because it's just kind of the direction we're going to go with today's service. I think God's peace is going to what's, what's going to help us the most in that. So that was week one. That was the first weekend in September. And then last week, we talked about church unity and just how that, uh, Jesus prayed that we should be one. And that as the church, the big C church, so bigger than journey, the churches all in Augusta, the churches who say that Jesus is Lord, that we would have unity. And that all the great things we could do if we just had unity if we just did things together, if we were in the same spirit, the same attitude, the same relationship, what we could do. And that was a cool thing. And I remember last week, Pastor Bobby kind of ending it, ending it with all the things that we could accomplish if the church did things together. And so that's what we want to do. Well, this week, uh, it's going to go from a unity of the big social mass thing of churches to really kind of a unity towards personal relationships and what you do. And so today we're going to talk about forgiveness, the part of the, of the prayer where Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Excuse me, in the prayer he says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or in another translation it says, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so we're going to talk about forgiveness. So up front, I just want to say a couple of things about forgiveness and about the experience so that you kind of get uh, where we're going. First is this, I'm going to try to be very mindful of the words that I speak. Um, I know for some people, forgiveness is a really big deal. Um, And to have to give forgiveness to certain people is not the easiest thing to do. And so I'm going to try to use my words very carefully today so that you kind of understand where I'm coming from and what we're doing. 
The second thing is, is that I don't have personally a very traumatic experience that needs forgiveness, whether that's broken relationships, whether that's church hurt, whether those uh, all kinds of things, family hurt, relationship hurt. I don't have some big, massive moment in my life where I have to go, and that's where I had to give forgiveness or get forgiveness. And I'm just great, grateful for that, but I also want to know that I know there are people in this room who have. If you've walked into our atrium at all, you see all kinds of prayer requests on our windows and on the glass, and some of them are very heavy and require a lot of forgiveness. And so I want to be mindful of that today, that when I'm speaking today, I'm not just kind of going, hey, why don't you just get over it and forgive somebody and move on, that there's some truth to it, and hopefully that we can, can walk in it. In fact, a big verse for today is going to be Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. And here's what Proverbs chapter 15, um, verse 22 tells us. It says that we should walk, that the principle of wisdom is found in the counsel of many. Wisdom is found in the counsel of many. So very first off, what I want to tell us is, maybe you should find some people around you who you think are wise to kind of help you walk through the idea of forgiveness. But you should find some people, and here's what I mean by wise people. Wise basically means you know the difference between right and wrong, and you choose to do what's right. And that also means friends who will tell you when you didn't choose what's right. But they'll actually go, hey, you maybe not be handling this the right way. That's a wise friend. They can actually come to you and say that. So just up front, want to say wise things, uh, wise friends, wise people around you. Get some community of people. Don't try to go at this alone. If you try to go after forgiveness by yourself, it's going to be very, very, very difficult. All right? So here's the part of the verses where Jesus prayed a prayer that was pretty amazing, that was hard to do. So we find in, in the book of Luke, towards the end, we're going to be in Luke chapter 23, we find that Jesus has been put on trial, right? He's finally been captured. He's been put on trial. He's, he's, it's a wrong trial. He's being wrongly accused. He's wrongly convicted, right? And he's going to be put to death. He's, he's beaten and he's done all these things. And while Jesus is on the cross, here's what happens in Luke chapter 23, verses 33 and 34. Here's what it says. It says, when they are to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Ah, what a prayer. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Wow. In the most excruciating moment of Jesus' life, physically and spiritually, right? He is taking on the sins of the world in this moment. He has the opportunity and says, hey, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He has the idea. He understands why. Today, I want us to talk a little bit about why we should forgive and how we can forgive. Why we should forgive and how we can forgive. And Jesus right here understands the why. Why you should forgive. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He understands that his death and resurrection is because of our sin. And yet he's here to say, here's what we know happens in, um, in, in John 19. In the moment of crucifixion, the soldiers are gambling for his clothes. In Matthew 27, the criminals on each side of him are reviling him. They're making fun of him. They're mocking him. The religious leaders were mocking him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They put a sign above the cross that says, here he is, the king of the Jews. Earlier that day, he was falsely accused. He was falsely convicted. convicted. 
beaten until the point of death, and yet he can pray, Father, forgive them. Jesus walks the talk. Jesus knew that in, in, uh, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 53, he said this, he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus is living out this Old Testament prophecy that in the moment of taking on our sin, he was forgiving the trespassers. He was walking the talk. Even from the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How amazing of a moment is that Jesus is taking on our sin and can say, hey, Father, forgive them. And here's the best part, and the easiest part of this. This is Jesus. <laughs> You're not Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm not Jesus, right? While I may have to follow after him and follow his example, I am not him. There are things that he does, but the first thing we have to realize about forgiveness is that Jesus gave it to us first. You have to realize that and the only way you can get into the forgiveness game and relationship with others is to understand that Jesus gave it to you first while you weren't asking for it. Book of Romans goes on to tell us that he died for us while we were still sinners, he died for us. So we understand that Jesus gave us forgiveness first and that's the basis, that's the firm foundation that we sing about is that Jesus offers us forgiveness first. So what I'd love for us to do today is just to answer a couple of questions and kind of help us along the way. And by all means, I understand that just because we speak one sermon on a Sunday, take about 30 minutes, talk about forgiveness, that all of the issues of forgiveness will be handled today and you'll walk out of here, you know, with it under control and understanding all of it. I understand that's not going to happen today. All right? So here's the first question we want to answer. How did those around Jesus interact with forgiveness once they received it from him? How did those around Jesus, his disciples and those people around him, deal with this once he was there? Um, in the book of Matthew, we see Jesus first mention this idea of forgiveness when he's teaching the Lord's Prayer in chapter 6 of Matthew. And then in chapter 18 of Matthew, Peter comes along and he asks Jesus how many times he should forgive someone. Now, if you don't know much about the Bible, Peter is an interesting person who has to understand a lot about forgiveness, all right? But Peter's coming along, he says, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? And Peter says this, should I forgive them seven times? Now, here's the thing. Peter was actually being very gracious in that moment because in Jewish culture, forgiveness was only supposed to be offered three times. And so for Peter to go, hey, should I give it seven times? He was actually trying to show off in front of Jesus, like, hey, I got seven times, I can forgive somebody. But if you know the scriptures, here's what Jesus answers them with. He goes, not seven times, but I tell you seven times 70. Seven times 70. Now, this wasn't about a mathematic formula for you to figure out and understand that that number was 490, but that he was trying to say, it's so much bigger than you could ever imagine that you forgive someone, that you have to offer forgiveness in so many, so many ways. And Peter would understand this. He'd have to do this. In fact, they'd go on to share a story or a parable right there where the king forgives someone of all their debt, of all their debt, of all the things going on in their life. And so we see here that Peter thought he understood forgiveness, but he didn't really get what was going on. Um, when I was trying to study for this, I read about this, this story, and this is a, a kind of a, a cool story from Compassion International, if you've heard of them. It says this, 
It's been 25 years since the genocide against the Tutsis in Rwanda. Killings happened even in broad daylight, and close to a million Tutsis and moderate Hutus were hacked to death with machetes by their own neighbors. That three-month killing spree changed the fate of an entire country forever. The Rwandan genocide is one of the most gruesome atrocities in the history of Africa to date. A young boy named Jean-Claude, who was 11 years old when the genocide began, witnessed the heinous acts of their neighbors who tortured and mutilated his father. He was hiding in the bushes nearby as some people murdered his sister, his uncles, his aunts. In fact, they beat his mom so bad that she lived, but she lived with a brain injury for the rest of her life. After the genocide, he joined the Compassion Program at his church where he came to know Jesus and learn the power of forgiveness. He forgave his perpetrators of his family's massacre. In fact, it goes on to tell us that he started sponsoring the child of his, of his family's murderers. Jean-Claude learned forgiveness through Jesus, something I will hopefully never experience and never understand how we can do this. But Jean-Claude was able to walk the talk because he experienced who Jesus was. Like we said, what, what about his followers? What about those who are around them? So my next question is this. How did the early church, those first Christians, deal with forgiveness after the resurrection? For this question, I want us to kind of look at several uh, of verses and letters written to the first Christians um, after Jesus' death and resurrection, um, how they looked at forgiveness in their relationships, how they looked at that. First guy we're going to look at is uh, the Apostle Paul. So again, if you don't know much about the Bible, that's cool. Paul was a guy named Saul. Saul killed Christians or had Christians killed. And then he became a believer in Jesus when Jesus met him and on the Damascus Road and this kind of thing. And so he, he was an early church planter or a church starter. He got churches going in different cities um, around Jerusalem. And then he would get those churches going and go another direction. Well, we kind of think of Paul as like the greatest church planter and he probably is, but we have to also have reality that Paul also started churches with humans, and humans were involved in these churches, and he had to write letters back to these churches to kind of deal with relationships and problems, and many problems and big problems, not like just, hey, be nice to each other, but hey, this church is having major problems. I'm going to write them a letter, going to help them understand how to do this thing called the Christian walk, and so he'd write them these letters, and we have these letters as books of the Bible. And so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says this, <clears throat> Be kind and compassionate to, towards one another, forgiving each other. And then here's the hard part. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So be kind and compassionate towards one another and forgive one another just as Christ forgave you. So Paul, he could have stopped at the first two sentences, right? Or the first two phrases and gone, hey, be kind and compassionate to each other and forgive each other. But he throws in that last phrase, just as Christ forgave you, to remind you of why we're doing it, why we have to forgive, why this notion of forgiveness is the biggest deal in Christianity, that we offer forgiveness. We live in a society now that doesn't really like to offer forgiveness. You mess up, you're done. But we as Christians have to become those who go, hey, you mess up, come here, let's fix it. Let's get it right. We're not, we're not, we're not, dismissing the problem, but we're offering and willing to offer forgiveness. And so, so he says in Ephesians chapter 4, in Colossians 3, he says this, bear with each other 
and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, uh, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So again, this whole idea, bear with each other, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. That's how Paul would tell us to do these things. So that's, you know, when, I, when we offer up forgiveness, we have to tell you why is because Christ has given us so much forgiveness. The Apostle Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. He says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. A multitude of sins. Sounds a lot like a maybe 70 times 70 moment. That's a lot of sins, a lot of things. And in fact, Peter understood this, right? Um, again, if you're new to the Bible and new to understanding Scripture, Peter is the guy who, in the moment before Jesus' trial and, and conviction and cross moment in his, in his death, Peter says, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. In fact, I'll have to die with you if you have to die. And then Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times in the next six hours. No, I won't. And what's he do? Denies him three times in the next little while. In fact, cussing out a little girl because she asked, aren't you, aren't you one of his followers? So there Peter is, denying Jesus in the moment Jesus needed him the most. And yet Peter, you know what happens later on, we find out in the book of John, that Jesus comes to Peter and says, hey, come here. I know you went back to fishing, but come here. You, you love me? Feed my sheep. And he says it three times, kind of covering the three times that he denied Jesus. And so we see Peter understanding that love covers a multitude of sins. He's experienced it the most. And for us, why we can offer forgiveness is because we've experienced it. Because we, and if you haven't experienced, and that's where the place to begin starts today, is experiencing the forgiveness of God. So he sees that. In 1 John, the Apostle John told Christians um, in 1 John 1.9, he says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. John here is understanding, look, Jesus can take care of it all. He is doing the right thing by offering us forgiveness. Maybe some of you today, you're not necessarily worried about uh, offering forgiveness to someone. Maybe some of you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe some of you today are not trusting that God has given you forgiveness. That you struggle with understanding that God has forgiven you of all unrighteousness. This is the hope we have in 1 John 1, 9 here, is that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of some of our sins, the really bad ones. It says he'll forgive us of all of our sins, the ones you committed in the past, the ones you'll commit today, the ones you'll commit in the future, he forgives us of all. And you need to struggle, you need to work through today forgiving yourself of what's going on inside of you so that you understand God's forgiveness. This verse tells us that it was just for God to forgive us of all of our sins because of what Christ did on the cross for us. You can have complete forgiveness that will help you walk towards that. So as we have in 1 John, the author of Hebrews tells us this, that when God forgives our sins, that he will remember them no more. Hebrews 8, 12 says this way, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Some translations say it this way, I will never again remember. It's an active choice to not remember them. God, who is all-knowing, 
right, is choosing not to remember those sins and not to hold them against us. For us, it would be completely impossible for us to. We would have to get in the matrix and take the blue pill to forget everything that we learned in the matrix for us to forgive sins and not remember them anymore. But for God, and what he's telling us is it's an active, an active not remembering, a choosing not to remember the sins against us. That's what forgiveness does for us. So there's where we see how these things happen in our lives. And so we see how God forgives us and we see how the early church experienced it. So how does this play out for us? This is kind of the last question I want us to look at today. And here's what it says. And again, as I said earlier, this is harder. And I get for some people, this is a bigger deal. So I'm, I'm trying to be as humble and honest and self-aware about it as possible. But how can we really work through forgiveness when we've been hurt really bad? How can we really work through forgiveness when we've been hurt really bad? This is a tough moment to go. In fact, uh, when I found out that I was teaching this topic a few weeks ago, uh, my first go-to is to read the Bible, but then also to read some books about it. And so I read a book from a friend of ours. He actually used to be in Augusta. His name is Brad Hambrick. He used to run the Crossroads Counseling Center here in town. Now he's the pastor of counseling at a big church up in North Carolina called the Summit Church. And his book was really helpful. And in fact, I read another book by a guy named Philip Yancey called it The Scandal, the Scandal of Forgiveness. And so trying to help us understand all that I could to kind of help us get to this place of understanding forgiveness. And so when we're talking about this, um, this, this story came to mind. It says this. It says that there's a, there's a Spanish story of a father and son who had been estranged. The son ran away and the father set off to find him. He searched for months to no avail. And finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put out an ad in the Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. Like I said, this is, I want to try to be helpful today, but I don't want to know that I can give you all the experience. And like we said earlier, having some people around you to help you walk through this would be an amazing thing. And in fact, walking with you is probably the best place to start. This is going to take a walk. This is going to take a relationship and time to walk through forgiveness. And you're going to need some people around you who can walk with you. Please try not to do forgiveness on your own, especially when you've been hurt really, really, really bad. If that the most uh, important relationships in your life or significant life experiences deal with hurt and deal with debt and deal with someone wronging you, please find somebody to walk with you. Please find somebody to do that. But also I want today just a little bit about wise trust. It's important for us to understand that God forgiving us is on a different level than humans forgiving us, all right? God's forgiveness is there, and he's quick to do it. I mean, that's what's so great about God is that he is, when we ask for forgiveness, he doesn't like, he doesn't go, "Mm, let me think about it. He offers us forgiveness quickly. I understand as humans, we may not offer forgiveness as quickly, right? I can tell you on a really small level, I have children, I have an almost 13-year-old and an eight-year-old, and they fight like crazy. And when they do something wrong to each other, one of them is the one who did something wrong. So we to go, oh, I'm sorry. And then get very upset if the other person doesn't immediately offer them forgiveness and act like nothing hurt and that was all good. Like you punch with the other one, oh, I'm sorry, you gotta forgive me. That's how this works. 
That's not how this works, right? In real life, we have to walk, we have to walk with somebody. I can't expect somebody just to get over it. And in some cases, the initial act of forgiveness, so maybe it's such a big deal in your life that it came to a really big moment and you had to offer forgiveness, and maybe you did in that moment offer forgiveness, but as you continue to walk down the road, the continual giving of forgiveness and continual building up of that relationship back takes a lot more work and takes a different level. So today, I just want to give you just a couple of quick things about how we can do forgiveness with what's called wise trust. And this comes from my buddy's book, Brad Hambrick's book on forgiveness and, and building back relationships. So we have to have wise trust. We can offer the gift of forgiveness while at the same time requiring certain things for trust to be built back, all right? We can offer the same thing, all right? Uh, Offer forgiveness, but at the same time, expect some certain things to happen to build the trust back up in the relationship, all right? So here's here's what we do. We can affirm good and wise choices. The communication in a relationship should go to a new level since the relationship was broken and trust is trying to be gained back. We should communicate and affirm the wise choices in the relationship that it's taking. But also in affirming, in affirming those choices, we can articulate what trust has been gained through those choices. And continued good communication through wise choices over time continues to build trust. When, you, when the relationship's been broken and you want to get it back together, you can start doing that, but you have to build a trust back up and your words and your actions start have, have to start making sense and putting those things back together. But at the same time, you have to identify problematic behaviors and choices. And this is where things get tough. You might need to help the other person understand that there are still some choices that they are making or just time needed to heal that makes trust hard. This could be a lack of communication or a lack of openness or a lack of longevity towards trust. And remember, you're on a walk towards forgiveness and the right relationship. It's not going to happen quickly and more than likely never as fast as the other person wants it to happen. Because of those things, you need to to explain why proportional trust is there for the right responses. Trust has to be proportional as the wise choices being made over time. There is wisdom in corresponding wise choices to wise trust, but there's also hope that full trust can be restored. That's because of those wise choices. So some of this conversation is happening because you want to build the relationship back together. You want to be able to do that. But what happens if you can't do that? What happens if repairing the relationship is not possible? Either the person's no longer in your life, the person is no longer alive, and you're still dealing with forgiveness or unforgiveness. Forgiveness allows us to live in the present and see things more clearly. Holding on to unforgiveness will affect your present life and your present relationships. The bitterness that can come from holding on to an offense will affect those who might not know anything about it. Dealing with the offense and allowing forgiveness to work in your life will allow you to live wholly, wholly in the present and see things more clearly. How many of y'all know this song? You can sing it with me. I'm not going to sing it. I can see clearly now 
the rain is gone. I can see all the obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. There's some truth in that song, right? Allowing forgiveness in your life will help you see things more clearly and allow your current relationships to become all that they can be. This is big. This is what I don't want you to miss today. The future that God has for you doesn't need to be held back by by unforgiveness. Letting go and allowing God to work in those situations will do more than you ever could. Just think of all the great things that God can do in your future by trusting him in your relationships. I'll say that again. The future that God has for you doesn't need to be held back by unforgiveness. I mentioned earlier, I read a book by a guy named Philip Yancey. And Philip Yancey uh, is a pretty big time author in the Christian world. But in fact, he grew up in a very fundamentalist style church that talked about grace and mercy and forgiveness, but didn't offer any, didn't live it. And so he actually walked away from Christianity until he started to investigate the Bible more and walk in a relationship with Jesus who really got it. And here's what he says kind of culminated all the book that I read through this. And that's what I want to finish with today. At last, I understood in the final analysis, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving another, I am trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. By forgiving, I release my own right to get even and leave all issues of fairness for God to work out. I leave in God's hands the scales that must balance justice and mercy. Today we're finishing up with prayer that we leave these things to God. I don't know where you are with forgiveness or an unforgiveness. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that forgiveness is the first thing and the firm foundation that will help you. If it's forgiveness with someone in your life, then maybe today prayer time is just you spending time with God, asking God and giving faith to him, trusting him that he'll do what he needs to do. And so as we've been doing these last couple of weeks, we're gonna just have prayer time up here. I'm gonna pray for us in a moment. Several of our staff will be down here and a couple of core leaders will be here just to pray with you if you want somebody to pray with you. You can stay in your seats and pray. You can go out into the atrium and pray and put your prayer request on the glass if that's the case. Um, Or you can just do what you feel God's calling you to do. We kind of leave that open to you. Maybe today the answer is you send a text to that someone who you're struggling with and ask for a coffee. Ask for a time to connect. Maybe you're not ready for that yet. Maybe it's just you getting your life right with God in that moment to get to that place. But it's gonna be amazing to see all that God can do because you're allowing forgiveness to work in your life and in your relationships. So I'm gonna pray. And after I'm done praying, there'll be some people up here. You'll be free to go at that moment too. When After I'm done praying, you can leave or you can stay and pray however God moves in your life. All right? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that Christianity really is the only religion that understands forgiveness on this level, but it's hard and it's scandalous because it doesn't make sense. It's not always fair. But God, as Philip Yancey prayed there at the end and talked about the end, God, we're gonna leave all of these issues of justice, all of these issues of fairness and our future in your hands because you have forgiven us so much, God. 
I know as being a parent and watching my own kids and offering forgiveness to my kids, I've learned a new perspective on forgiveness that you offer as God the Father, that you forgive so much in my life. Each and every day that I don't follow you every moment, that my attitude's not in the right place, that I do things that I know hurt you, yet you offer forgiveness. So God, today I pray that you would be honored, that you would work in the lives of those here, that you would give them wisdom, that they would have wise choice, that in that relationship building back, they're just not enabling more bad behaviors, but that they are showing wisdom, that those around them are helping them with that wisdom. So God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he's done for us. He really is the greatest thing that's ever happened. We talk about him every day. It's why we do what we do here in this building. And thank you for the forgiveness that he offers, that even at that moment on the cross, while he's dying, he says, Father, forgive them. But I know what they do. Thank you for that, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.